five graces of grace. Now, we have been talking about these, but I want to go over them again today, whereby they can be cemented along with the teachings that we have been doing on the subject of grace, five graces of grace or five favors or undeserved privileges of God's grace, God's kindness, God's favor received without merit or unmerited favor, favor that I receive because I'm a child of living God, not by my own effort, but five graces of grace. And we have been talking on this subject for some time now. And as new covenant creations, new believers in Christ, you know that we are under the covenant of what? Grace. For we're not under law, we are under grace. That's the word of God. We are under grace. And understand when we're talking about grace or when we talk about grace, we're talking about the man, Jesus. I would write that down. When we talk about the subject of grace, we're talking about the man, Jesus. Will you say this? Grace is for me. Grace is on my side. I say that again. Grace is, you know, say it like you mean it. Grace is for me. Grace is on my side. Amen. Grace is for me. Again, when we're talking about grace, we're talking about the man, Jesus. Now, I want to uh, remind you that, and we've seen this throughout this teaching, whenever we do away with what has been laid down, we set it aside and we make it of no effect. Whenever we do away with what God has established, man of God, we make it null and void when we put it to the side or when we uh, lay it to the side. In other words, we break faith with it. And we see this from the definition of the word frustrate that we got from our text in Galatians 2, verse 20 and uh, 21. And Apostle Paul says that when we lay aside what has already been established, we frustrate the grace of God. Did you hear that? When we lay aside what has already been established, we frustrate the grace of God. In other words, what I like to coin or say, which I haven't heard it before, but I like to say spiritual dissonance. Or we have, uh, what I mean by dissonance is now we are incongruent are out of agreement with the Word of God when we either lay down what was said or go beyond what was written or what was said. And I'm talking in reference to our text in Galatians 2 where the Apostle Paul was rebuking Peter for after having enjoyed his freedom, man of God, in Christ, he went back to law-keeping and telling Gentiles that in order for you to be fully saved, you have to now start keeping the commands or demands of the law, something that he had, watch this now, freed himself from, went back to it. So the Apostle Paul, of course, after his rebuke, 
Peter gets the message. But I wanted to say that because once we lay down or lay aside what God has already laid down or established, we make it null and void. In other words, it has no effectiveness in your life. So if I lay aside grace, grace would not be effective in my life or the benefits of grace would not be affected in my life because I have laid it to the side. Now, something we also learned is that when we mix grace with law, which was Peter was doing, he frustrated the grace of God. So when I mix law and grace, I am frustrating the grace of God. I'll give you a moment to write that down. <laughs> so when someone comes along and tell you that you are not law-keeping, you will know, listen, if I mix the two, I am now frustrating the grace. What I mean by the law-keeping, you're trying to justify yourself by keeping the, the, the demands of the law. You and I were not born under the law. We were born our covenant is under the covenant of grace. Now, as far as the moral aspects of the law, you had the ceremonial laws, civil laws, moral laws. Now, again, throughout this teaching, we see that they were types and shadows until Christ, the substance, came. Now, as far as the moral laws, that was the do not kill, do not steal, don't bear false witness against your neighbor. The, now, do we keep those? Absolutely. But in keeping those, they are insufficient to justify us or make us right before God. Don't kill. Don't steal. But it's not in your not keeping and not stealing and killing. That's not what makes you right. Jesus made you right. Okay? And... and, and as far as the very ceremonial laws, we don't have to keep those anymore. Are you here? So that's important to know because when we try to keep that in order to be justified, we are frustrating the great, we're frustrating the work that Christ has already established. Now, we also see that whenever we mix grace with law, we pervert the gospel. We've seen this in Galatians. One, who remembers this last week? So when I mix grace and law, men of God, I pervert the gospel. I try to turn it into something other than what was laid down. Now, Apostle Paul was saying this to the church of Galatia, who, at one, who were trying to walk in this new freedom. Again, justification by faith, and you had those Judaizers who were still strict adherents of the law of Moses, trying to get them in order to be saved fully. You have to keep these demands. And Paul says, there is no other. You guys, in layman terms, I'm shocked that you would think there is another gospel. And there are those who would prevert the gospel. See, there it go. So when we mix grace and law, we're actually perverting, perverting, excuse me, the grace of God. So we don't want to 
pervert the grace of God. How do I pervert it? By mixing grace and law in order to be justified. Now, notice I said when we talk about grace, we're talking about the man who? Jesus. I would not lay that down. Don't lay that down. (laughs) Why would you put aside favor? Why would you lay undeserved uh, that which is not deserving? Why would you lay that to the side? Why would you lay God's kindness leaning in your favor? Why would you put that on the shelf? <laughs> why would you do away with Chet Noon? Why, why would you lay aside this fence that has been placed around you that safeguards you, your family, and all of your goods and protects your life. Why would you lay that to the side? (laughs) So when we're talking about grace, we're talking about the man, Jesus. Say it again, grace is for me. Grace is on my side. John 1, 14, 16, and 17. Listen, Listen to what I'm about to say. You can be sincere in your efforts, but sincerely wrong. And I submit to you that one of the reasons a great majority of believers aren't seeing great manifestations of the word is because they have mixed grace and law. For some, not intentionally, man of God, because we have preachers promulgating that kind of teaching. Okay? But even by default, if I've laid it to the side, I've laid it to the side. And as a result, it's not working for many because they have, unbeknownst to them, they have laid what's supposed to work for them to the side. How? By frustrating it, by getting in the way, by thinking that my, and see, I I really believe that one of the reasons why, first of all, God doesn't need our help. And if it took both of us, nine times out of, no, ten times out of ten, we're going to take the credit. Even with self-effort, who gets, who gets the credit? We're going to take the credit. But see, when you move yourself out the way, God gets all the glory. You know it, and everybody around you knows that this is the favor of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Full, do you see this? Of grace and truth. Verse 16. And of his fullness, we 
have all received now, again, all who have believed in him. And grace for grace, or literally grace, it literally means grace upon grace or abundant grace. So as a result of his fullness, we have received grace upon grace or abundant grace or grace in abundance. See, I'm not really moved by the response because we've been beat down with we putting too much on grace when in actuality we're not talking about it enough because that is the covenant that we are under. That word grace here, again, is talking about God's gracious favor which he showers on his beloved children. Grace upon grace. Abundant grace. Will you settle the fact today that as a child of God, man of God, there's grace upon grace on your life? Grace in abundance. Why would you lay that to the side? Because some devout, unlearned orator of the gospel is trying to keep you bound by law keeping. Why would you change it? Because they're so dogmatic about it. And just because you're dogmatic about it doesn't make it true. You better know your word. And there's a grace upon grace on my life. There's abundant grace on my life. Watch this. Again, it doesn't stop things from trying to come. But when they do come, his grace is, a, is sufficient enough to give me the ability to come out of it. It doesn't mean that weapons won't try to, for, it just means the weapons that form won't prosper. That's what grace upon grace is. Grace upon grace, listen now, it's the weapon not forming. It's the weapon form not prospering, let me say it that way. But see, you gotta you gotta believe this. Don't because again, if I put myself, if I remove myself under it, from it, from up under it, then I can put myself under the curse. Not God. We can do it by laying it to the side. You remember last week we seen in Galatians around verse 4, that if we lay it to the side, we have severed ourselves from God's grace. Are you with me? So there's abundant grace on your life. See, listen, and it tickles me again, we can't hear this without, again, someone thinking you're teaching antinomianism, mean, meaning against law. Meaning you can live any kind of way, no more restraint, no, you're just living totally 
No. Grace, his abundance, Damien, is what enables me to walk this thing out. Don't lay that to the side. I'm not laying God's kindness to the side. Why did that happen to my cousin? Perhaps your cousin, your cousin has frustrated the grace. I didn't say he has. I said perhaps. Why, why other believers aren't experiencing this freedom and God's prosperity, God's favor? Perhaps they have frustrated God's grace. And again, when you lay it to the side, you make it null and void. It doesn't work for you. Verse 16, and of his fullness, we have all received, of course, those who believed, and grace for grace, or grace upon grace, or abundant grace. All, in other words, all who believe on the Lord Jesus, listen to this now, receive supplies of spiritual strength out of his fullness. That's grace. I said again, all who believe on the Lord Jesus Listen to how I'm saying this. Receive supplies of spiritual strength out of his fullness. That's that enabling power. His grace supplies. <laughs> if we can get to the point where we rest in the sense of self-effort and tap into his abundant grace, your life would be changed for the greater forever. Not only you will you actually begin to experience this uncommon or this unearned favor because you're relying solely on God. And religion has taught us to work for it. See, religion teaches you you got to work in order to get grace. Not realizing it's grace that enables you to do the work. When I say do the work, live in agreement with the word. Where your practice corresponds with your Godly position, being I'm holy, just, blameless, and above reproach. Titus, no, verse 17, verse 17. Remember I said when we talk about grace, we're talking about who? We're talking about the man who? Jesus Verse 17, for the law was given through Moses. Were you born under the law of Moses? No. You were born under grace and truth. For you're not under law, 
you're under grace. Remember, we're a part of the covenant man of God that the writer of Hebrews says, God having provided something better. <laughs> Talking about the man Jesus. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Titus 2.11. Notice we said, we're talking about the five graces of God. But before we start with those, I want to submit this into your spirit that whenever we're talking about grace, we're talking about the man, Jesus. Why would you lay Christ's finished work to the side? Why would you lay him, in essence, to the side? What he has provided and done for you. Why would you do that? Because someone points their finger in your face and tell you that you have to do I'm not going to frustrate the grace of God, sir. You can spit all day. Get angry as you want. I'm not going to be entangled again, again with the yoke of bondage. Christ has set me free. Again, just because, listen, what social media has done, it has given anybody who has a device a platform. And the misconception is, especially those who are naive, they believe that anybody who has a platform is teaching truth. That's a lie. They may have a voice, but doesn't mean that what they're saying is true. That's why you have to study to show yourselves approved unto God. <laughs> a workman need not be ashamed, rightly, divine the word of truth. For the grace of God that brings salvation has, read it slow has appeared, has appeared, has appeared to all men, again, that believe. Here, the grace of God is virtually synonymous with the Son of God, talking about Christ. So in essence, he's saying grace has appeared. Not simply the divine attribute of grace, but Jesus Christ himself. Grace incarnate, incarnate, embodied in the flesh. This is what he's saying right here. So God's supremely gracious gift to fallen man is the man, for salvation is the man, Jesus. So we, when we're talking about grace, we're talking about the man. Now, why would you lay that to the side? For the grace of God that brings salvation. For salvation cannot be found in no other name. <laughs> Let's talk about the five graces of grace. What are we talking about? The five graces of grace. Number one, Grace puts me into position. Grace puts me 
into position. Into position of what? God's unearned favor. God's undeserved favor. God's favor without merit. Unmerited favor. God's kindness. God leaning in my favor. Him being the superior, me being the inferior. Safeguarding my life. Don't lay grace to the side. <laughs> Do you know one of the reasons why we have to spend time on this? Because one teaching, two sessions, men of God, I would even submit five or six sessions may not be sufficient for someone who's been deeply, heavily indoctrinated with a hybrid gospel, being a mixture of grace and law. It's going to take more than two or three teachings. So you have to be aggressive when you are not here to get in this into your spirit. Because it would be easy to falter if you're hearing a bunch of nonsense. And listen, you have to be like this. I know what's working for me. <laughs> now, now, why it's not working for you, you have to do a self-introspection. But I know it's working. And don't back off of that. It's working for me. Well, the reason I have to say this is because you have those who give you a, 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 what they call pity, the pity stories, a victim, you know, they come to you from a victim mentality uh, standpoint, like, like just no, I, I give, I tithe, I do all that. I, yeah, but you could, if you are mixing your effort with what Christ has finished, you're frustrating the grace. Because you're still trying to obtain something, minister, by means which you have no effort. You can't do it. So grace does what? Grace puts me into position for God's undeserved favor. Romans 5, 1 and 2. And see, the, one, another reason why you want to cement this because you may not have your phone or you may have your phone but you'll know exactly where to go. Even if you don't have it, sir, just write Romans 1 and 2 down. You can at least refer to it or let them know where to go. Show them in their Bible. Let me see. You know how to let me see your Bible. <laughs> Turn to Romans 5, 1 and 2. I'm not even going to use my Bible. Let me use yours. Therefore, having been justified by faith in Christ, that is, we have, guys, God is not angry at you. He is not mad at you. You have peace with God. Why 
rotted my roof, came in. I don't know, probably poor uh, carpentry work, but it has nothing to do. I have peace with God. The, the, the roof might have caved in, but that doesn't disturb my peace with God. I still have peace with God. And it is that grace that's going to give me favor to get the thing fixed. Well, they fired me. I don't know why they fired you. But it, has, it, it doesn't have anything to do with God having peace with you. You are still at peace with God. You hear? See, because if the, if the enemy can get you to think that it's God, you will get out of agreement with God. And I submit to you, whatever it is will get worse and worse. And why? Because I have laid it to the side. Verse 2, through whom we have also have, have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. See, we should, re- we should be rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God. Why? Because, because of my relationship with Christ. I not only have peace with God, but I have been granted access into this grace in which I stand. In other words, I want to be firmly placed or remain firmly placed in this grace. And when you understand you are seated in Christ, Jesus in heavenly places, you won't let anybody move you out of your seat. I don't, you even have to tell the devil, Satan, I don't care. Look like the whole bottom falling out. There's abundance of grace in my life, on my life, around my life. I'm at peace with God. I am not moved by what I see. I am not going to lay God's favor to the side. I don't know when. I don't know how. I don't know who he's going to use. But I do know there's a favor. On my life. And there's an abundance of grace around me. See, you, you have to say that while whatever you're looking at is telling you something totally different. You have to be just as bold as the, the hole in the bottom. Stand on this word. You see, oftentimes what we do, what we see because of the nature of how it looks or because the size of it, we lay it down. No, you can't lay it down. You have to be all the more firmly placed. (laughs) So grace, number one, grace puts me into position of God's abundant, watch this, abundant grace. Unlimited favor. There's no limit. 
You, as far as you can go. Take it a little bit more. Times it. Times infinity. Multiply that. Add. Put more on it. Times, 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 times. Plus two. And the Lord, I would assume, would be like, that's all you got. <laughs> he cannot be exhausted. To, to say we can exhaust grace is to say we can exhaust Christ. It can't or it cannot, daughter, be exhausted. So don't ever feel ashamed to pull on the favor. Since I've been put in this position, I want as much as I can get. I want as much favor don't feel ashamed. I want it. Why? Because I'm in. It has put me. So don't count strange when they just point you out and say, hey, come here. We, what I do? It ain't, I, ain't, it, I didn't do a thing. It's what he did. So rather than talking about what I do, thank you for what you did, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. He did it. You missed that. See, he, the glory goes to him. He did it. Number two, grace enables me. What's number two? Grace enables me. In other words, grace gives me power, the ability. Grace makes things easier for me in the midst of opposition. <laughs> See, it's that enabling power of grace that makes me able to sail through the opposition without folding. So when it gets too heavy for you, you have to realize there is an abundance of grace. That's on me. Around me. In me. What? If Christ was full of grace and truth, and Christ is Greater is he that is, who do you think the he in you, the Bible's referring to? <laughs> the steroids. <laughs> huh? Your granddaddy them, granddaddy and them genes. Your ancestors talking about Christ in you. <laughs> Uh, 
grace enables me. Titus 2.12, ERV. Now, we just seen in Titus 2.11 that the grace of God has appeared to all men. Okay? Now, look at this. That same grace teaches us not to live against God and not to do the bad things the world wants to do. So, listen, the reason why I don't do the bad things, the reason why I don't do what the world teaches is because of the grace in me. So why would you tell me that grace would cause me to live any kind of way? No, grace is what disciplines me because it teaches me not to live against God. So if I'm living against him, perhaps I don't have the full revelation of what grace really is. <laughs> it teaches us to live on earth now in a wise and right way, a way that shows true devotion to God. So when I really see grace, man of God, when, it, when it's understood, and I don't lay it to the side. It's going to cause me to be all the more devoted. Oh, yeah. Did you hear that? I'm, no, the reason why I'm showing up is because I'm devoted. And I'm devoted because I understand the grace that's working on my behalf. I understand. See, I'm not coming. No, I come because I understand the favor that's on my life. I show up because I understand there's an abundance of grace working for me. So I show up. That's why I'm committed. Because I know what grace has done for me. <laughs> you hear? Acts 20, 32. Acts 20, 32. So number two, we said grace enables me. Here's another verse. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. That word build you up literally means to edify to help someone stand strong and sturdy. <laughs> so it is God's grace, again, when in the midst of opposition, is what's going to enable you to stand strong and sturdy. His grace is sufficient. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So grace builds me up. Notice it says, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. That word, word, 
it's the Greek word logos, meaning expressing the thoughts of the Father through the Spirit. Notice it says that the logos of his grace will be able to build me up. That's why praying in the Holy Spirit is so essential. What happens when you pray in the Holy Spirit? You edify. <laughs> you build yourselves up. Now, imagine grace is already working for you. Imagine what type of dimension you can go into when I put praying in the Spirit on top of that thing. Do you know that you are speaking mysteries? We take that lightly. And I submit to you, if we spent more time praying in Holy Spirit, getting the mind of God concerning the matter, we would spend less time trying to get a word from somebody who dare not even know God. You will stop trying to get information from somebody who has a large following or seems to be intellectual or seems to be very smart. No, there's none smarter, wiser. Holy Spirit knows all things. <laughs> so why not, why not? Spend time praying in Holy Spirit to get the mystery concerning this thing. And number three, grace makes me who I am. What's number three? Grace makes me who I am. And we'll pick up there next week. Come on, let's give the Lord a shout of praise. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to make a donation and support this ministry as we expand the kingdom of God, please visit ShekinahGloryFC.com or download our church app from iTunes App Store or Google Play by searching Shekinah Glory FC and click Give to make your donation.